0: Hey everybody, this is Kale Clark. Welcome back to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio mobile app. Got a lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about whether or not we should obey the government. Whew, that's a hot potato in today's world. And whether we should take vengeance for ourselves. Ooh! Let's get started. All right, let's pick it up in Romans chapter 12, looking at verse 17 and following. St. Paul writes, Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by so doing you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, powerful words there uh, by Saint Paul. And so this is um this is intriguing because so much of Western culture, especially in our in our art, in our movies, in our literature, the theme of vengeance is always a popular one, whether it's the Count of Monte Cristo And, of course, there's a great recent movie featuring Jim Caviezel. I really enjoyed that one, As the Count of Monte Cristo, the same guy who played Jesus, of course, in The Passion of the Christ. That's a great story of vengeance upon one's enemies. And what about The Batman? I'm a huge comic book guy, huge Batman fan. The latest Batman film with Robert Pattinson as Batman is called The Batman. One of the things he says in that movie is, I'm vengeance. You know, who are you? I'm vengeance. Vengeance personified. And and the crowd just cheers whenever uh, Batman retaliates against his enemies. But what about the followers of Jesus? What are you and I supposed to do in these situations? Well, Paul says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. And again, he's echoing the, the teaching of Jesus, who says in the Sermon on the Mount, to bless those who persecute you. Non-retaliation. Now, what do you say, "What if I'm a police officer? What if I'm I'm in the military?" We'll we'll talk about that uh, coming up. But well, that's why one of the, one of the things St. Paul says, if he says, "If possible, if possible, live peaceably with one another." Okay, so let's look at verse 19 here. He says, "Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, 'It is mine to avenge; I will repay.'" So in terms of non-retaliation, don't seek revenge upon your enemies. And this is actually very freeing because God is going to take care of that on your behalf. If there's any vengeance that needs to happen, um, don't try to get Batman to do it for you. Don't try to do it yourself. God will deal with it. He knows everything. Nothing is beyond his, uh, his notice. And he's also perfectly just. He is a God of justice, and he's not going to... As one writer says, allow evil to go unpunished. And this is very freeing for us. It's not our job to take vengeance. It's our job to forgive with God helping us. Let God take care of the wrath part. So let's um, keep going with it with uh, the next thing that he says here. And this is something that people have really misunderstood throughout the years. In verse 20, know if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And what he's really doing here, as he often does, Paul is quoting the Old Testament here. And it's actually from the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verses 21 and 22, if you want to look it up. And really, the the common thread here is the word enemy. And Jesus as well talked about how to treat one's enemies. Um to do good to one's enemies, to pray for one's enemies. And Paul is kind of picking up on the theme. So this is the Old Testament, too. It's nothing that Jesus, Jesus didn't start this whole idea of loving your enemies and praying for them. It actually is embedded in the Old Testament as well. And of course, if you look at Luke's gospel in Luke chapter 6, uh, Jesus talks about turning the other cheek, uh, giving to everyone who asks from us. And so, what, what about this whole idea of burning coals? If you do good to your enemy, if he's hungry, if he's thirsty, take care of his physical needs, by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. It's the idea of, if you give kindness to your enemies, what, what's up with the burning coals? Well, some people want to say that when you look at the idea of burning coals or fire, that, that's a symbol of judgment. So, in essence, they think what Paul is saying here is, if you're kind towards your enemies... That's only going to, you know, increase their future judgment. Yes, yeah, so we want we want them to really get punished. So let, let's let be really nice to them because that's going to heap burning coals upon their heads. In other words, God's going to punish them even more. That's sounds kind of vindictive, doesn't it? I don't think that this is what God wants for his children. Uh, that's not what he's talking about here. Uh, what he's talking about here is the idea that if we're kind to our enemies, if we show them God's love, even in the face of evil, it might it might, because they've all got a conscience in there somewhere. It might cause them to be sort of ashamed of what they're doing. To say, I've, I've done things that are wrong to this person. This person is is responding with love. What What is that all about? This is not a human reaction. This is a supernatural reaction. Why would somebody respond that way? This is not the way of the world. The way of the world is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's not That just doesn't compute. And some people just, just don't understand. this. a great example of this. Is Jean Valjean in Les Misérables when the bishop forgives him for his theft? It just it just it changes his life, and then Javert, the police officer, he cannot forgive, he cannot show mercy, and he is destroyed in his hatred. So this is a really really important distinction to make. And and some people, by the way, some commentators think that this idea of burning coals on the head that comes from an Egyptian ritual. In ancient egypt apparently uh, if somebody was repenting for a sin of some sort they would actually carry a tray of red hot coals over their head and this was sort of a public symbol of i'm repenting i'm sorry for my sin well thank goodness we don't have to do that today in the church we don't have to carry around a tray of i don't know charcoal briquettes from the barbecue over our heads when we enter the confessional booth so let's go to verse 21 here now do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. This is a very important distinctive, as Paul closes off this section. We have to be very active in the face of evil, not passive. We can't just hope that it all goes away. We need to overcome evil with good. Here's an example from the world of sports that I like to use on this front. Tim Tebow, of course, famous quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, at the University of Florida for the Gators, national champion, of course, went into the NFL, made T-bowing a thing, (laughs) kneeling in prayer on the sideline. Well, when he was a highly touted high school player. He was homeschooled, but he was very highly recruited as a quarterback. And of course, being involved in sports, uh, being the, the big man on campus, if you will, he was presented with a lot of temptation in various realms, but he was very faithful to Christ And he he wanted to to live in a way that pleased God. And one time when he was in high school, a reporter cornered him in his locker and asked him, how do you deal with the peer pressure? How do you deal with the pressure to drink, to do drugs, to have uh, sex outside of marriage, whatever it may be? How how do you deal with all this peer pressure as a Christian? And Tim Tebow looked at this guy and just, you know, wanted to almost stare right through him. He, He couldn't believe it. He said, I am peer pressure. What are you talking about? I am peer pressure. I am positive Christian peer pressure on other people. It doesn't affect me. I affect them. That's exactly the attitude that we need to have. You're listening to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. I'm your host, Cale Clark. Okay, let's look at some really hot-button topics from St. Paul now. We're going to go to the next chapter, chapter 13 of Romans. Let's Let's read the first seven verses here. Paul writes, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, he who resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of him who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He is the servant of God to execute his wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be subject not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For the same reason, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay all of them their dues, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. Okay, this is a really, really controversial passage. Do we always have to obey the government? What if you're living under the Nazis? (laughs) These are big questions, so let's unpack what St. Paul is saying here. Okay, so there's really one thing here. Now, in the last section that we looked at, Paul had a whole whack of commandments and exhortations kind of packed all together, do this, do that, do this, do that. In this whole section, he only wants to say one thing, that believers need to submit to legitimate government authorities. So he he says this, and then he gives a couple of reasons why we have to. And number one, he says, because God has appointed these authorities, he says there is no authority in verse 1 of chapter 13, there is no authority except that which God has established. And then he also says that the authorities will punish people who break the law or or don't properly obey them. He says this in verses 3 and 4. Rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. If you want to be free from fear, from the person in authority, then do what is right and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good But if you do wrong, be afraid. He does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So in in light of that, we have to recognize that throughout history, a a lot of people have taken... um, this, This is almost a necessary thing for Paul to say, because even in the early church, people recognizing the authority of God, be- began to misunderstand the need for good government, and they, they even wanted to, to flat-out disobey um, the world's authorities, and they thought they thought that they were doing this in, in obedience to, to God. In other words, when Paul is saying, as he does earlier in Romans, don't be conformed to this world, they thought, well, if you're really, really spiritual, you don't do anything. That people are doing in society we don't need this institution of marriage we, we uh, as he says to the Corinthians you can read about this in first Corinthians there are some people in that church that are saying don't get married uh, don't if you are married don't have relations with your wife this is not spiritual and Paul is saying this is absolute nonsense we, we, we just because when I say the world I don't mean everything in the world is bad there are things in the world that are good God created the world uh, it's more of a mindset when we talk about the world that's opposed to God. In other of his letters, for example in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and Titus chapter 3, Paul commands Christians to pray for government officials. <laughs> we do this all the time at mass. It, it, the prayers of the faithful at mass, as I heard someone joking about the other day, Hey, I don't read the news. I don't I don't look at the internet. I don't scroll on Twitter. If I want to find out what's going on in the world, I just pay attention at the prayers of the faithful because that's how I get caught up on current events. We're constantly praying for situations in the world, praying for government officials. And as humorous as that is, this is simply just following the directive of St. Paul who commands that we pray for those who are in civil authority. So, there's a reason why this is, is here right now, this, this whole concept of uh, obeying the government and the government having the ability to punish wrongdoers. It's very much connected with what he just talked about in not taking vengeance, let like God take care of it. One of, the, one of the ways that God takes care of, of evil in the world, not, not, he doesn't take care of all the evil this way, is through governments, police forces, uh, jails, prisons, punishment crime and punishment, as Dostoevsky would say. That's one of the ways that God does take out uh, justice in this world. But it's not always uh, perfectly done, to say the least. So this is one reason why he says that you need to submit to government authorities. Now one of the the misinterpretations also of this passage, most scholars have rejected this point of view too, is that there, there used to be sort of a strain in the church of saying that every government authority is backed up by God, no matter which one it is. There, there are sort of good angels beyond uh, all powers on earth. That's, that's mostly rejected now. Uh, one of the things that the Bible does show, especially in the Old Testament, is that sometimes there can be bad influences, bad spiritual influences behind governments on earth. In the book of Daniel... Uh, Michael the Archangel is trying to get a message to Daniel. He says, I'm really, really sorry uh, that it took me so long to answer your prayer to bring back the request from God here, because I was detained by the Prince of Persia. Now, it's, it's a very, very difficult thing to understand. What is he talking about there? But it seems as if there was a malevolent spiritual power, perhaps demonic, behind Persia, sort of backing up uh In a bad spiritual sense, this particular government. So, just because a government exists, doesn't mean it has good spiritual backup. But we also have to to, to reckon with what it says here in, in Romans, and also in the Old Testament. Speaking of Daniel, Daniel kel- tells this to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He says, "The Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men, and He gives them to anyone He wishes, and He sets over them." even the lowliest of men. That's Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. So G- God himself is upholding certain rulers and certain kingdoms in the world, or at the very least he allows them to exist. So that it's a very, very tough thing sometimes to figure out whether government authority is acting in accord with, with what God wants and, or, or, or not, or the converse. So at any rate, uh, let's, let's keep going with uh, what he says here. Let's look at verse 5 of chapter 13. This is, this is really interesting. Paul writes, Therefore, one must be subject, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Now, this does not mean, when he says that you have to be submitting to the government because of conscience, that doesn't mean that, um, he's not talking about our conscience in terms of knowing what's right and wrong, but our conscious knowledge that God has established government authorities in general. In general, that, that's what he's talking about. And that's exactly why he says the next thing in verse 6. For the same reason you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay all of them their dues, verse 7. Taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. So what, he, what he's essentially saying here is that government authorities are in fact acting as servants of God. And he makes a really, really strong point here. What's interesting also is Paul uses this word to describe government officials as liturgos, leitourgos. That is really interesting because it's connected to the word liturgy. And in the Greek version of the Old Testament, that word is used to describe those who serve in the temple. Uh, in the New Testament, it's also used to describe the ministers of Jesus Christ. Wow. So he's making a really, really powerful point here that government officials can actually serve God's purposes in the world. But is that always the case? Is that always the case? What if there is a conflict between God's commandments? his goodness, his laws, and human, humanly established laws of government. Think about Jesus, the famous example when Jesus was asked, hey, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And, and this brilliant example from the Gospels, and one of the places you can follow this is in Matthew chapter 22. It, it, bring me a coin. What, what coins do you use to pay the tax here? Whose image is on it? Caesar's. Well, then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. That's a brilliant answer. Is there a tension at times? Yes, there is, because in every age of the church, Catholics have had to grapple with governments that seem to be at odds with the purposes of God. Think, think about that. A classic example from modern times is the Nazis under Hitler. Are you supposed to obey? If you're a Catholic living in Germany, are you supposed to obey orders from Hitler or from Himmler? Is disobedience something that we must do in these cases? Well, at times, yes think about the apostles as they are preaching the gospel after the resurrection of jesus the governing authorities want them to shut their mouths and never talk about jesus again and they say this judge for yourselves whether it's right in god's sight to obey you rather than god we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard so when is civil disobedience proper we're going to talk about that on the next episode of the faith explained until then i'm Kale Clark. If you missed an episode of this series, go to the Relevant Radio app. You can download the podcast, stream them, share them with a friend, tell the good news about this program so that other people can join us to learn more about the Scriptures, more about their Catholic faith, and more about Jesus Christ, because you can't love someone that you don't know. And we know Him, in part, through studying the Scriptures, which testify to our Lord. God bless you. I'm Kale Clark. Catch you in the next one. Peace.